What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. On Tour is a production of iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media. I'm your host, Brian Ray. On this show, we'll take you behind the scenes of the music business to give you the most raw and real tales you've likely never heard before. We'll share our wildest, most unbelievable, and yes, most embarrassing moments while on tour. In this episode, I caught up with my good friend, Steve Lukather. Steve does it all. Singer, songwriter, guitarist, producer, composer. He has one of the longest running gigs in the industry, and he's won more awards than we have time to list, including five Grammys. As a founding member of the band Toto, and now lead singer, he's never missed a show in 40 years. In addition to the mega hits Toto has given us, Steve has also been a part of more hit songs than you probably realize, among them Michael Jackson's Thriller and Beat It. He's contributed to albums by Van Halen and Joe Cocker. He's toured with Jeff Beck. Peter Frampton, and is currently a big part of Ringo Starr's all-star band. We could spend hours sharing his stories, so we did our best to hit the highlights with Toto, his touching stories with Paul and Linda McCartney, and his friendship with Ringo Starr, 
while not forgetting that time he snubbed the king of pop. Here's my conversation with Steve Lukather. Hey, Steve, good to see you, brother. Hey, Brian. It's only been, what, 44 years or whatever, 43 years as we met? Yeah, we've been knowing each other a while. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I guess. So we met in about 1980, right? Oh, 78, man, when the girls. But my first uh, wife, Marie, and her twin sister, Cherie, did a record, and you were playing. And I just was dragged along because, like, uh, I'm the boyfriend of, one of them. I said, sure, I'll come along and play. But you had you and Joey Brassler, who's a great guitar player. So I just fumbled along and doubled everybody's parts. I mean, come on, this wasn't Mahavishnu music. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't exactly Mahavishnu music. It wasn't prog rock. But all I remember from it, because I was pretty loaded during that time, but what I do remember all were, man. is seeing your smiling face and Joey Brassler and having a blast. Yeah, well, Joey and I went to high school together. Is People that don't right? realize that, you know. He I was didn't part know that. of that whole thing at Grand High School with Mike Landau and myself, the Picaro brothers, John Pierce. Beard? Was it? Beard? No, Beard was older. Beard he, you know, I didn't meet Mike until like I started doing sessions. Like, you know, the first time I worked with him was in 78. Right. I started actually doing sessions in 77 for real. Like, you know, which is hard to believe in the, the time. Amazing. Really yeah. So I remember getting a call. I was looking for something to do. I had just come back from a tour with. At a James opening for the Stones. So I was like... And now for something completely different. Yeah, and looking for something to do. Because you, you know what it's get like. that gig? With Etta James? No, with uh, Cherie. With Cherie and Marie Curry, with you. Uh, well, I was just, you know, boyfriend at the time. I, I wasn't really in the band, you know. Yeah, but that's not how I heard it. <laughs> anyway, really? How did I you hear it? Like, Steve Lukather's on guitar, and this was Joey Brassler calling me. Your old schoolmate. No, I sat in and they didn't pay me nothing. Is that right? Yeah, I just showed up so I could be with my girlfriend. <laughs> I figured I might as well do something. And you guys were just newly dating. Yeah, right? I mean, she was 18, I was 20, or she was 19, I was 21, one of the two, you know. Damn, look at that. I was, I guess I was 23, we're about the same age. But anyway, yeah, I was just looking for something to do. And Joey called me and said, you know, we're going to do a string of dates around California and some Western states. <laughs> Scott Carlson was the tour manager. Well, man, I couldn't have been happy to be there. We we had a blast. Well, we had a great time because I love the way you play. And I just thought, well, what am I doing here? You don't need me. So I just let everybody, let you guys pretty much handle it. And I just chunked the rhythm shit. Do you have any memories from our touring days? Is it a blur like well, it is for me? No, I was never as bad as the papers say. <laughs> you know. Oh, man, we've been two lucky blokes, man. Yeah, I gotta man, say. I mean, I've had a pretty good run, man, in between doing all the sessions. And then I get to play with him. You know, I love Ringo, and, and uh, we're hanging with him. He's become a dear friend of mine. And I, it doesn't matter. Just the hang is great. And yeah. I, it's my vacation gig. You know, we go out and have fun, and that's what it is. Yeah. I can dig that, man. So I remember reading that you started playing because of your love for the Beatles yeah. and George Harrison. Is that right? Well, the whole thing, you know, I watched in 1964, like everybody else, you know what I mean? Like, and it was like life went from black and white to color, like the Wizard of Oz, ironically. Um, and I just became obsessed. And the sound of the guitar, I remember hearing the, the solo and I saw her standing there mesmerized by it. I played it over and over and over again until my father said, if you play that again, I'm going to kill you. Uh, so I used to get real soft and put it, and then I started just fumbling around on it. And then one day it just made sense to me, and I started playing all the first position guitar chords. Yeah. And no one ever taught them to me. Is that right? Yeah. So 
Were you always self-taught? Did you ever go to Oh, yeah, no, I started studying later. when I was about 14 when I realized that, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty good ear. I could figure stuff out. But then when I met the Picaro brothers, when me and Landau and John Pierce went to Grand High School, we met Steve Picaro and his whole family. And all of a sudden, everything was like, whoa, what's this? Session yeah. musicians and what do we got to learn? Oh, fuck, I got to learn how to read music. Yeah. Uh, which is really difficult to do after you've been playing for seven years. And you start to have to cite read Mary Had a Little Lamb or something like that. And then my teacher, Jimmy Weibel, very patient, God bless his soul. Yeah. But I had to learn a lot fast. And yeah. then we, we were the first class of the Dick Grove School back in North Hollywood. Oh, Me, yeah, Landau, sure. John Pierce, the Picaros. I mean, it was a, the first class. Almost everybody in the, in the class has made a good career of being a musician. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That's really something, yeah. Uh, but, you know, man, it was just like once I got into the studying thing, I started studying orchestration composition with Dr. Albert Harris. I had Jimmy Weibel, which Dick Grove. I took every music class in high school, which, by the way, we really need music in schools, man. Yeah, damn right we do. I mean, yeah. I was never in the orchestra or the band or anything like that, uh, but being around the music, studying harmony theory, first level piano, uh, you know, all, all the sight singing, stuff you think you'd never use, I actually really did use it on, you know, when I started doing sessions and, yeah, you know, I really had to get it together. Uh, it was a it was just very fortunate and grateful and lucky that I got the shot that I did. You know? Yeah, it, it, it is unfortunate. It's been cut from a lot of school budgets. But, you know, oh. maybe one day, yeah, maybe one day we'll get to return to that. Because it's not just the music and exercising that part of your brain. Right. But it's the camaraderie. And, yes. and it's like a sport without the grass stains. I mean, You know, reading music is just like learning a foreign language. It's not necessary. But it sure as hell helps if you're in the country that they speak that foreign language. Exactly. That's really well said. So um, thinking about uh, your career in the earliest days, and you're talking about Precaro and and Landau and Joey and Bay Pierce, right? That used to be his nickname, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a long story. No, John and I, John was my very first friend in the entire world. Our parents were pregnant on the same right? block. You're Bellevue. kidding me. No. So yeah, your we're parents knew each other before you guys came to be. Yeah, we high five each other on the way in. <laughs> he was he was actually a couple a couple of months older than me. I was just thinking, you know, you went to high school with these guys who became first call session guys. You no, know, Landau and I have known each other since we were twelve. Is that right? Yeah. So I mean, he was my second friend that went off to. You know, Mike and I are still very close friends. Yeah. One of the baddest motherfuckers in the world, man. He's, he's oh too yeah, much. bad And bad uh, you know, we're still tight and. Uh, and Jeff Picaro and David Pitch were already first call guys. Okay. Jeff was making Katie Lied with Steely Dan when we were in high school. Uh-huh. And we actually learned a bunch of the stuff and would jam on it and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and so from that, we knew, wow, session guys. And we started, back in those days, remember, we used to do demo sessions. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the minor leagues for session guys where you sure. pay you 25 bucks a tune or something like to go in there before machines could make demos. I never got hired because of my ridiculous sight reading parts they used to just leave shit blank because i would try to you know i was I, I knew that i had to come up with something better than was on the paper that was i mean i could read job. it and i go i start playing and i go i think i got something better you know yeah and they let me go with it and then after i developed some sort of reputation they just didn't write much for me at all and said play what you want to play yeah unless it was very specific and then you had to do it so your earliest days with these guys, were you called Toto when you no, first started playing? What, what was the name band Toto. name at the time? Still Life. Still Life. Which was a much better name. Uh-huh. We should have kept that name. <laughs> Who I, came did up with ar- I did argue with the cats early, but I was 19 years old and uh, I didn't have the seniority at the time. Yeah. I'm like, guys, Toto. 
Are you kidding me? And the funniest story about that is like we were in the middle of the first album and we had been signed as Toto. And I was like, I can't fight this. I mean, it's not Surrender. such a bad now. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is now. It's been very good to me, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, we didn't know at the time. And then we get a Polaroid in the mail from Tom Scott, who was in Japan at the time. And we didn't know there was a Toto toilet. So <laughs> he sent us... A Polaroid of his shit floating in the toilet. It said Toto on the toilet. He goes, nice name. Oh, no. But I'm holding it up going. And then, you know, I honestly got to think that name did not help us at all. Uh-huh. It was too easy to make fun of a band named Toto. You know, I was going, guys, we don't make humor music. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. But it is now 43 years, 44 years later, if you want to count high school, since 73. So. Well, yeah, how did you guys come enough. up with the name? I didn't. Jeff and Jeff McCarr and David Page did. They went out and, you know, had a pitcher of margaritas and some weed and went back to uh, Jeff's house and watched The Wizard of Oz. And they kept on saying, we need a name like Toto. Simple to the point. I'm going, and then they come and tell us. I'm like, we're do- in the middle of doing our first record. We didn't have a name yet. Yeah. I'm going, Toto, man. Some of the guys, yeah, 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 that's a great, you know, I'm going, Toto, yeah, but The Wizard of Oz. No, 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 it's not like that. It means that I'm going, yeah, but nobody's going to think. They're going to go the little dog in the Wizard of Oz. And sure enough, the clincher was when we were looking for album covers and Jeff was always our artist guy because he, yeah. he he wanted to be an artist more than he did a drummer. If you right. can believe that. But you know, the, the head of so or not the head of the, the art department from Sony brought down potential album covers. And one of the first ones, they had brought an easel like old school, like they were going to have the unveiling of their genius new idea. Mm-hmm. And we're all going... Can't wait to see this. And Jeff, yeah, right. Jeff being an artist, he's going, this better be good. Well, this kind of like surfer dude showed up and he was like, you guys ready to see it? And he opens up the easel and it's a, a dog bowl with curly cords coming out of it. And on the dog bowl, it said Toto. Oh, no. And um, <laughs> it was so bad. There was dead silence in the room. And I think Jeff stood up and asked him to leave in maybe not such a nice way. And we sat back in the room going, fuck. And then Jeff found this guy, Phil Garris, who did the Fiddler cover for the Grateful Dead. And uh-huh. he started living at Jeff's house. And mm-hmm. that's how that all came to be. Mm-hmm. Well, it ended up being a great logo anyway. And well, you know what, man? You know, what's in a name? Yeah, what's in a name? I mean, we tried names like the Butthole Surfers or something. They were going, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, you can't, and now it's like, what do you mean? You can call Everybody it whatever does. the fuck you want to call it. That's right, exactly. But you know what? After 44 years, it's been good to me. Some people like the band, some people hate the band. I think we're misunderstood. If you've only heard the hits, that's not yeah. really conducive of all what we do. But you know what? It's kept me and my family alive for a long time, and yeah, I'm right. very grateful for that. You know, yeah. what is hip? Tell me, tell me. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm the only motherfucker who's been there for 43 years. Mm-hmm. Steve that's was right. in the band for almost 20, over 25 years. You're the only founding member that's played every Toto show. Yeah, isn't that and every right? Toto record. And I didn't want to become the face of the band, but nobody, everybody left me there. When yeah. Jeff died, everything changed. Because it originally, of course, it was really Jeff and Dave's band. You know, they were the one that came off the, they were the ones that came off the success of Silk Degrees by Boz Skaggs, which made him a superstar. Right. And then I jumped, I was still in school. And then I was asked to join the band right after high school and do the tour for mm-hmm. Silk Degrees. And that opened up, I mean, Jeff Picaro and David Page. And uh, I had met uh, David Foster, Jay Graydon, Lee Rittenauer, and, and, you know, Carlton and all, you know, 
all these heroes of mine, and Jeff pulled me in the back door. You know, we call him and go like, uh, be at Studio 55 for Diana Ross in 10 minutes. Hurry up, man. You better play good, you know. But, yeah. and that's how I got in the door, yeah. you know, because I started playing with those guys. They gave me the thumbs up. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. You know, I've gotten to play with most of my heroes, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them I'm in a band with now has become a very dear friend, Ringo, just like you are with Paul, you know. Yeah. How you about know, who that? would have thought that when we were kids that this would be our, you know, our gig, you know. Yeah. And we'd be friends with all these wonderful musicians and heroes and stuff. You know? Yeah, that you and I would end up playing with two of the Beatles. I got to be with and, George. And in too, your George case, Paul with George as well. I wow. met Paul when we were doing Thriller. Right. Tell and me they, about that. That was interesting. We were very, very uh, excited about that. I was starting to work with Quincy a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I was about 22, 23 years old. I was doing the Dude record. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, Quincy. And he, and he was digging me at the time. Uh, and so he says, I want you to be on the next Michael record. And I'm like, wow, this is cool because yeah. off the wall it just happened. Which was So huge. we knew this was going to be a big record, you know. And so I got... Called in to do all of that stuff with Q, you know, and that's and then he said we're going to do a duet with Paul McCartney, and 
And I want you and Jeff and Paige and I think Lewis Johnson played and Foster might have been on that gig. And so we showed up and it was all this anticipation, like the mm -hmm. two biggest stars in the world. I mean, Paul sure. obviously being Paul on a level of his own. Mm -hmm. And Michael was the hottest star of the time. Mm -hmm. And so we showed up early and it was a big scene. There was, you know, understand this was only a couple of years after we sadly lost John. That's right. So there was a big vibe about security and being, everybody was vetted and all this other stuff in ways that I wasn't even aware of, but whatever. I So I showed up a little bit early because I want to make sure my shit was right. You know, right, yeah, right. It was an exciting day for me. Sure. To work with the reason, with one of the guys that's the reason why I play music. Yeah. This was a big deal. Yeah, sure. So we all wanted to be great and wanted, especially wanted Paul to dig us. We'd already passed the test with Quincy and shit like that. So we yeah. But Paul walked into the room with Linda, and it was a palpable difference in the air quality of the room. It was neat. And and uh, Jeff was <laughs> smoking a joint. Paul and Linda walked in. I smell musicians. You know, and this is 1982. <laughs> is know, that like so the first thing he said? Something like that. You know, we were all like, you know, trying not to blow. I mean, you know, I don't get starstruck that often. When, you know, when you meet one of the Beatles and you never have before, it's kind of a... Yeah. It's kind of insane. It's, in yeah. it's intense. And he couldn't have been the nicest man in the world, as you well know. Yeah. And Linda was a groove. She was mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we did good on the session, and he really dug it. I came up with some two-part thing. He goes, uh, and he says, are you, how are you playing? I go, it's just a two-part thing. I told him, I was like, wow, boy. he likes my part. Wow. Yeah. And so we did. I mean, I was set up in the soundstage for two weeks with Paul and Linda. I was on the same stand with Linda. And when we got there, we were told, Whatever you do, don't talk about the Beatles. Don't play any Beatles songs. Don't do. And we're like, what? Mm -hmm. We're here with George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, Paul McCartney, and set up live, and we can't talk about the Beatles or rip into a song of the Beatles. Right? You're like, this is. I go, this is terrible. So I ended up, you know, I didn't say anything because you just don't. Yeah. We were two weeks there to do one song, you know, and we had already gone in and cut it the first day with George Martin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the band, we nailed the part just in case. And, uh, you know, so anyway, but it was wonderful to be set up. And I said this to Linda. I said, yeah, after we became a little bit more friendly, and I, she was just great to me. I said, yeah, man, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I said, we're not allowed to, like, ask Paul about the Beatles or play anything. I go, I feel, you know, he's like one of my all-time. I mean, this is a really terrible thing to do. And I was like, you know, you're in the right. room with your all-time hero and you can't even talk about it. And she goes, who the hell told you that? I go, well, the management, whoever said that we're not, she goes, that's bollocks. And I go, really? She goes, yeah, play something. So I played Please Please Me. I started going to that, and Jeff looked at me like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, you got to get and us fired. Then, and then I started playing, and then he started saying it, and then Jeff started playing it, and then we all started playing it, and there was, the room stopped. You know, and at the end of it, the whole place went berserk, and then Paul goes, oh, yes, and then he starts telling his stories, and the floodgates were open, and we had lunch every day, and as I, I was able to pick the brain of George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, and Paul, and we just had a blast. Amazing. Just, I'm glad that you were able to tell Linda that that was what you were told. And yeah, another thing about it, I mean, you know, she got such a bad rep for reasons I will never understand. This is one of the coolest people I've ever met. Yeah, I've heard And she's she was going sweet. to me, she goes, look, everybody hates me because I'm in Paul's band. She goes, he wants me in the band. 
Yeah. And I'm going, and I'm, I'm not talking for Paul. I couldn't do that. But she said that to me, and I laughed, and I went, really? I go, you know, girl, you're the coolest person ever. I go, I don't understand why anybody could say anything about you. You go, well, they don't know me, you know. Yeah, I've heard she's just amazing. Oh, she was a doll. Warm to everybody. She would come up to people in the crew, the lighting guy, the rigger, and talk to them about whatever was going on well, in she, their you lives. Know what she did to me, man, she, like the kids were all young then. Yeah. And there was no, she was hands on. There was no, like, you know, nannies and stuff. John was the only guy hanging out. Right. And he was cool. And, uh, but she goes, Lear, look after the kids for a little bit. You know, while I go off and do this meeting with Paul, I'm like, you're leaving me with your children. I go, me? I'm like the youngest cat here right now. And she goes, you can handle it. And I go, I, uh, it was only like for like 15 minutes or anything. It wasn't like any big deal, but I was so nervous. Yeah. You know, and the kids were great. So it wasn't like I had to do anything. I was just going, hey, you guys got to be cool. I'm supposed to look after you. you know? oh, no, man. one would remember any of this, but I remember because it, it was like, if I blow this, I'm really in shit's creek, you know? But it was it. very cool. It was great. She just tried, and then she sent like, you know, autographed like, you know, photo books and would explain things. She was just went over the top nice, man. I've heard and that Paul about Paul was her. the best. He yeah. was the greatest. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah, right. And yeah. we had a blast. And then I didn't see him again until we did that, uh, you know, the 50th anniversary. That's right. Which I'm sure was as much of a trip for you as it was for me. Oh, yeah. What killed me was like waiting backstage to go on to play the gig and then showing them showing Hard Day's Night. And I remember bugging my grandmother like a thousand times to take me to see this movie. Yeah. I think, you know, nobody else wanted to see it anymore, but I had to see this thing as many times as possible. Yeah, yeah. It was and she went out and bought me my Beetle boots, even though my parents thought my feet would grow into a hoof or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, fuck this. My grandma was the coolest, you know? So all these memories hit me. Yeah. Did you have a Beetle wig? No. We did. I didn't have a Beetle wig. I had a new stepfather in the family, and he was, you know, sort of courting the kids, the four of us. The Beatles had just come out. And he brought us all beetle wigs, well, which I really appreciate. But like you, I was in the middle of the living room, cross-legged, waiting for the Beatles to come on because we'd heard like one single on the radio. And yeah. What the hell is this? It was like the parting of the seas, man. It, it was, yeah. It was like aliens landed and gave us the secrets. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this music still holds up to me. Yeah, and the records do too. And they never tire from me. And, and you know... It's fun. You know it is. You know, Ringo goes, it's eight years of my life. When you think of what they did in eight years. Yeah. From Love Me Do to Abbey Road, the growth. Yeah. And, you know, it's still the gold standard. Whenever you were in the studio making a record and you, and you, we need kind of a beetle thing. Everybody knows what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I say to Ringo, who really pisses me off when people give him shit about his drumming. Yeah. I go, okay, first off, how many drummers do you know if you just play the drum track, you know what song it is? That's right, exactly. There was no click tracks on those gigs. Yeah. And they had to play. Now, is he Billy Cobham? No. But you're not looking you for Billy Cobham. You don't want Cop. him to be. You don't want him to be. Yeah. And you know. Remarkable. He's one of the most amazing people I've ever known. And we've been pals for like uh, almost eight years now. Amazing. And, uh. I told him he had to kill me to get rid of me. <laughs> he but loves we, you, man. Uh, he, he no, loved, I can see when you guys are hanging out. We've been around each other a lot over the years. Ringo with you, yeah. me with Paul. Right. And I think starting with that 50th anniversary of Ed Sullivan and just watching him with, he gravitates to you. 
all the time. Right? Well, you know, yeah. we just hit it off. You know, if his name was Bob Smith, he'd be my pal. I go, yeah. this is the coolest cat I've ever met. Yeah, he is a cool but, cat. But, you know, I'm very grateful and fortunate that, you know, he took a shine to me. And, and we buds. We hang out all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just adore him as a human being. What was your first meeting with Ringo like? Were, were you well, I had just, nervous and, and anxious about it? I really wanted the gig because I knew I could make, first off, I knew I could make the band. I, I was going to give everything I had. Right. To make this a great band. I wanted to make, you know, and I got the call from Mark Rivera and I said, look, man, we got to, I really want to get in here and kick ass in this thing, man. I want to do a yeah. great job for the band and make sure everybody's working as hard on everybody else's songs. Yeah. As their own. Yeah. Because apparently I'd heard stories that nobody, guys in the band would only give a shit about their songs. And right. they'd scuffle through everybody else's tunes. Yeah, they right. Thought, That's not a band. A yeah. band wouldn't do that. That's part of the gig. Yeah. It's an all-star band. It's I a mean, review. You, guys, you know, with our experience in the studios and all this stuff. I mean, I was doing this shit every day. You showed up and you gave everything you had to whatever piece of music was laid on to you. Exactly. And if I thought that these are important parts, I'd learn the parts off the record and go, can right. I play it like this? Is this right? Those yeah. are the hooks. The, yeah. That's what the people want right. to hear when they hear these songs. You know, I'm sitting playing Santana songs with Greg Raleigh, and it's like, you know, and he's killing it. It's like, that's that. He hasn't lost a lick, man. He sounds great. His voice, his playing. I mean, he's All of it. Yeah. incredibly consistent. One of the nicest cats on planet Earth. Yeah, it was great seeing you there at the Greek theater and hanging out with you before the show. But I was, I was really struck with that, that... That band cared about every single song that was being played. Well, and I get to play bass on the, on the, Hamish is back, Hamish Stewart. Yeah. So I get to play bass on some of the, you know, And how great band. is that? And I loved it because I love to play bass. Yeah. Like not guitar bass, but bass. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Look at what you did. All I of a get sudden you it. get the gig and like, you got to be a bass player too. And you've got to be a bass player with Paul McCartney looking at you. It's like, that's right. That's a little like, okay. Well, basically I didn't look up for the first six months. I mean, it's like, I looked out of the side of my eye and there's Paul McCartney with the footlights on. It looks like Shea Stadium. And I'm going like, oh shit, I got to really fucking do this right. But this is so great how you got the gig though. Yeah. You know, your buddy Rusty, right? Said, come it, on down. It actually was Abe. It was Abe. It, you know, Rusty and Abe were both friends of mine. Right. But they didn't know each other yet. Really? But I played with each of them. Like, I'd been touring with Abe in France with Milan Farmer and with Johnny okay. Halliday. Okay, okay. Johnny, Johnny Halliday as well. Right. And with Rusty, he was a neighbor of mine. He was just like a guitar bud. And yeah. we'd trade gear and sure. play on each other's demos yeah. and do that stuff that we do as He's guitar players. He's great. Buds. I love him. What a sweet kid. Great player. Great guy. Yeah. But the call came because... Abe had gotten the call to do that album and right. he was at a dinner that I was having. And I said, well, well so Abe, like who's going to play bass when Paul plays guitar and piano and who's going to play guitar when he plays bass? Who's going to do that? And he goes, well, actually, yeah, we're looking for a guitar player who plays a bit of bass. And I put my hand up. And I said, man, I'd love a shot at that. Well, and that's how I got the call. I love the way you play bass in the band because you play bass. See, a lot of guys like us, like if you, if, oh, give a guitar player a bass and he starts playing, you're not Lead playing bass. bass anymore. Yeah, that's like, right. Like you have to hold those whole notes. That that one has to be full value on the quarter note. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's a different vibe. You got a different mindset. I, used to, I love playing bass. I play bass on my own records and shit. Yeah. Or, oh, I play bass on total records. Don't tell anybody. But, you know. Yeah. I, and didn't you play, did you play some bass on some early sessions as well? Did you I play, play on a Michael? I beat it. 
on beat it. That's well, what that's I was going to say. Well, that's only because of the way the record went down. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, I played bass on a few things. I mean, I played bass on my song, the song I wrote with Foster for, and Fee for Talk to You Later from the Tubes. Uh-huh. Because the bass player refused to play on it because he didn't write, write, write it. Yeah, I, so I read like, that. guys, what are you mad at me for? I didn't try to steal your gig. Yeah. Have you ever done sessions where the guy in the band that you're replacing is in the room? Yes, I that have. Sucks. With Shakira. It sucked, and I'm not going to name names, but man, it was really, really awkward. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm in there to replace the guitar parts that he'd already played. Yeah, that and he's like a co-writer. A, yeah, it was a little bit brutal, but anyway, it was. Yeah, I've, I've had that wonderful experience. I'm going. Why don't you play this? Like, come on, what am I doing? And I'm going to the producer. What the fuck would you invite this guy here? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's man. A, but you just mentioned um, Michael Jackson. So your yeah. first meeting with him, did did you? Did I understand that you got a phone call? Oh, from yeah, you? no, at 8 o'clock in the morning, like 1981. And you know what was up in 1981. I get this call at 8 in the morning. Hi, this is Michael. I'm going, fuck you. And I hung up the phone. A few minutes later, the same phone call. No, really, it's me. I'm going, okay, man. What moron calls musicians at 8 o'clock in the morning in 1980? What's up? Where are we? I just went to sleep, man. What the fuck is this? It's Michael. I'm going, fuck off. Which one of my knuckleheaded friends is? Boom. Nobody calls. About 10 o'clock that morning, I got a call from Quincy's office, from Joanne, who would normally call. Yeah. Then I get a call from, you know, go, you know that was really Michael. You should call him back. And I went, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> so I call him back, and I said, hey, I am, and he answers. I get the bat phone, right? and he answers. And I go, Michael, it's Steve Luca. And he starts laughing. I go, man, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I thought it was a gag. He goes, oh, it happens all the time. Yeah, I had the same experience with Paul. We had just done our first, what I guess was my audition, which was one song for the Super Bowl in 2002, like before the national anthem. Oh, and, great. Your first show is the yeah, like that's nine my billion people will see. No pressure I, at all. Nothing. Right. And at the end of that gig, which is New Orleans, just one song, he gives me a big hug and says, OK, well, I'll see you back in L.A., man. In five weeks, we're going to start rehearsing. And I went, What? And he goes, yeah, welcome aboard. Stick with Abe and Rusty to show you the ropes. And that was it. So I go back home, like set up a guitar, a bass, an acoustic, a mic, big old stack of CDs. Remember those CDs? And, uh, and I'm rolling through everything he's ever recorded. Beatles, solo, wings and everything. And I get a call one day. He goes, and I pick up. He's going, hello? He goes, hi, Brian, it's Paul. And I go, Paul who? Yeah. And he goes, you know, Paul, the bass player. And I go, Paul who? He goes, Paul McCartney. And I go, no, it isn't. He goes, Brian, it's Paul McCartney. And I go, no way. And he <laughs> laughed so he laughed so hard that he had to hold the phone far away. And just like Michael, for you, he said it happens all the time to him. Yeah. yeah. So I think they just like to fuck with us. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, for sure. No, That's when you asked me about the first time I met Ringo, I had really wanted the gig. Yeah, you know, I told Keltner, and and like Greg Bissonette is the guy. Who goes, you're perfect for this band, and he brought Dave Hart, who's Ringo's agent and producer mm-hmm. of the shows, to see us play. Toto was playing, and they were on the road in Europe, and we were playing in, at uh, the arena there. And he brought Dave Hart to see me play, and Dave really dug it, and he chooses. So he put me up for the gig, and the idea is Ringo has to approve everybody. So like he listened to the music and said either yes or no. And I called Keltner and I said, Jim, call him and tell him I really want this gig. Hook me up. Hook me, you know, put in a high, a good word for me. 
because I just wanted to do a season and say that I did it, you know. What yeah. I mean? And it worked out great, you know. And then, you know, so I got the gig, but I couldn't tell anybody about it. And I think at that time we had just had lunch. Yeah. You called me and said, let's hang out. And we met somewhere. And I said, I play with Ringo. And you looked at me like, and Willie looked at me the same way when I said, I said, I said, what is with the look? He goes, well, man, you know, he's great. He's had some interesting bands that didn't gel really well, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to make that difference. And Keltner was like going, you can go in and make this better. And I go, if I don't, then I suck. <laughs> and not to say that there weren't great bands, because there were, but there weren't bands that were cohesive on a, a friend level, like on a right. hang level, which, right. as we both know, is pretty important when you got to spend all that time on the yeah. road with people. Rico just wants a laugh. Yeah, he, he just wants to hang. I he mean, doesn't need the money. He wants to do the work, but he wants to have a good time, man, because he doesn't need to do it. No, the thing is with Ringo, is he's a band guy. Yeah. He wants to play. He takes the music really seriously, and right. I love him for that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's all about that to him, you know, and you take, you know, like rehearsals are important. I'm going to myself, I'm going, do we really need a rehearsal? He likes to feel better about really having it together. So what was your first meeting with him like? Well, I came off the, uh, I had just gotten to Canada and it was a late flight. So I got in late and it was about, I don't know, 930 at night. And I got off the floor and he was waiting for me. And he opened up the door and he came out and he gave me a big hug. He says, welcome aboard. And he goes, now get some rest. We're starting early. I said, yes, sir. But he gave me a really warm hug. And I said, I'm going to fucking make this. I'm going to give this everything I got. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com if you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo. 
and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. I quit smoking, drinking, and doing any fucking illegal shit, you know, over 10 years well, ago. You know, you and I come from a time in the 70s and 80s when we were coming up in the business. We where, all sleep it, when I'm dead years. Yeah. Was, when it's what you do. God, I wish I could get that back. But how stupid was that? Yeah. God, I don't miss any of that shit. But, you know, I woke up one day and I said, this is it. And I never, I, I quit smoking and drinking and everything the same day. Never looked back. As funny as stopping smoking is what led me to stop drinking and using, too. Yeah. Oh, that's well, great. Well, they all go together. Yeah, they do. You take yeah. one out of the equation, it's all wrong. Yeah, it's like a it's like two-legged a, stool. It's like doing a bump with one side and not getting the other. That's right, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you ended up uh, changing No, that I mean, pathway. I had to. I, well, listen, I'm really ashamed. I mean, I went through a period of time where I almost destroyed my career. Really? Because I would suck. Mm-hmm. I was so miserable doing what I was doing, and I didn't care. And what an awful thing to all of a sudden not care. Mm, interesting. You know, and, I, yeah. and people were beating up on me, and they should have. Yeah. I was squandering a great career, and I was blowing it. I was ashamed of myself, and I spent 10 years trying to get that back and apologizing and admitting it in public that I, it got the best of me, and it mm. ruined my playing. Well, what changed? What Did you wake up one day and just say, that's fucking it? Well, I mean, the depression was hitting, and I realized... I had hit a wall. I felt yeah. like shit all the time. I started day drinking. I started doing all the shit you weren't mm. supposed to do. Yeah. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror when I was brushing my teeth. It was mm. that bad. Wow. I was puffy and red. I looked like shit. I didn't, I was ashamed of myself, but I kept, you know, you just keep going so you don't feel it. And then when you finally feel it, it's brutal, you know? Mm. So I had a couple of days of sweats and depression. And then, you know, I went through yeah. a lot of shit, you know, but, yeah. you know, I never went back to, you know, wanting to have a drink i mean i lost my taste for it yeah uh, and i just don't want any part of that life anymore you know i mean not to the point where i was a blithering idiot you know what i mean occasionally something comes up in the comment section are like it's brutal yeah boy if you ever had an ego you can get rid of that real quick <laughs> oh yeah just stay away from the comment section i mean man. yeah that i mean imagine so you guys rough. get beat up too just oh, because yeah. you're not john leonard or something yeah, like you know that, what you know? absolutely and you don't get through this life in this career of all these years that you and i have done this without some embarrassing moments on youtube so it's just like i stay the hell away from the comment sections but no yeah. i think it's it's just toxic let's talk about the earlier years of uh your session work and sure and and songwriting collaborations run us through a couple of guitar solos that you would deem your favorites that people oh, may know not much. know out there that you're responsible for some of the most killer guitar solos in pop and rhythm and blues history. Come on, brother. Come You're on, we're talking man. about it. Running With the Night by Lionel Richie. Well, Come on, let's fun. hear that the story. That was a run-through. Was it? I wasn't even trying. What? I was going, what key is this in? I had my Les Ball out and I'm 59. Plugged in and cranked it. He goes, well, obviously this was the time right after Beat It. So it's like, oh, rock solos on R&B are going to be cool. Yeah. So I've been working with Richie and I love Richie. He was great. He goes, I got this song, Running With the Night, and I want you to play all over it. And I go, okay, well, what key is it? Let me figure it out. So I just play it all over it. Mm-hmm. Just I'm warming up, doing my thing. I'm I'm picking the spots that are rather obvious, and I'm playing. I'm going, and they're digging it. And at the end of it, I go, great, let's make one. Let's do it. I think I got to handle let's this. Let's cut goes, it. He goes, you just did. 
What? I go, what do you mean? I don't even know the song. He goes, it's great. You're done. I was out. That's the thing. To me, I played too much on the record, and they used it all. But uh, that was a long time ago. That That's, was like 1982. So I cracked up on that. It was like a, a negative session. I didn't even get one take. I didn't even know we were keeping it. Wow. And I used to get, I used to be pretty good at getting it quick because yeah. you didn't have a lot of tracks. Yeah. If some things got by that were a little like, ooh, that was a little under, that was a little dodgy. Ugh, wish I could do that again. But, hey, man, but at the same the time, that was the shit was happening, man. The part of the style of the times, man. Are you nah, kidding me? Man, I got in there and did what I had to do because I had to. That was the gig. Were you going to be 10 guitar players? That was what I found the best challenge. Yeah. Because I get to be everybody's guitar player. So I was really careful about getting the right sound, playing the right parts. Yeah, yeah right. How can you not play this iconic part of a Santana solo? How can you not play this George Harrison yeah. solo with the right sound and use yeah. a Leslie on this? And yeah. I tried to give it my all to everybody. Yeah. Todd needs this. I'm going to play this. Or yeah. Whoever needs what, I'm into it. You know, I mean, that's exactly. part of my fun. As a session guy, that was just normal behavior for me. Yeah. So, and you know that you get in there and you do the job. And of course you learn the parts on the record. Are you going to come up with a better bass player than Paul McCartney? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly, like, right? Am I going to come up with a better solo than the one that's on, you know, George Harrison played on? It don't come easy yet. Yeah, simple, but it's classic. Yeah, it's classic. I want to talk about Africa a little bit. Oh, um, boy. When it came time for, uh, where were you when you heard the Weezer version of it? So recently, was that something that was just like out of the blue? Or no, they, they sent us. Say, they, they sent us uh, Rosanna first, is which that right? was pretty interesting. Okay, and you know, I don't understand why they were doing it. You know, yeah. I think I, as I come to find out, there was a girl, a sweet girl, like fifteen-year-old girl from back east, who you know, she was heard our song on Stranger Things. Believe it or not. And for a year was bugging Rivers Como to fucking cut the track because apparently they do old songs in the 70s and 80s and shit they like that. They do some covers. But yeah. yours was the first, I think. Yeah, well, they did Rosanna. We got that and we were like, okay, well, nice try there, guys. And then they did um, <laughs> Africa. And really, they did, they tried to do pretty much the same arrangement, but they just put the crunchy guitars in the solo and Rivers did all the harmonies. And stuff yeah. Like that. I thought, hey, man, why not? Yeah. The groove was a little funny to me because of the way we made the record it was Jeff and and Lenny and the Paul Loops and stuff. You know, it was a, a whole different thing. On. These guys were more approaching it like a rock band. Would yeah. And, you know, hey, they did a good job. It was a hit. Well, let's hit you with a couple of quick ones. This yeah. is a section of the show we want to call the encore. Right. We know that the non-glamorous side of <laughs> what we do is the travel. What's the craziest travel story that's happened to you? <sighs> I think getting to South Africa from L.A. was pretty rough. That was a 30-hour, uh, you know, door-to-door. -door. I think I donated my underwear to science at that point, man. Oh, my God, you did not. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, you know, that was rough. It's just the waiting around, man. It's the yeah. canceled flights. It's the yeah. getting in after an all-nighter. You know, even when you, we're fortunate enough to do, like, what we get to do with, with yeah. the guys, which is travel really well, Right. you still... It's still, you know, you get there at three in the morning, you get there, it's interrupted sleep. It's, you know, even the best to travel, it's, you know, we've been doing this my whole life. You've been doing it your whole Same. life, man. Yeah. Well, tell me this. What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you on stage and, and how did you get through it? Food poisoning. Oh, my God. Me too. Yeah. So do you went and did the show anyway? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. I was on one of those like jazz fusion gigs. We were doing 14 in a row. Couldn't afford to blow one out. Lord almighty. You know, so you have to work a lot to make the money. And uh, I was on stage and like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I could have fucking crushed a walnut between my butt cheeks, man, you know. I could have oh. turned a piece of coal into a diamond. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I had to like yell drum solo at a very inopportune moment and run down the stairs. There's nothing like that feeling of sitting on the commode, having fucking Mount Vesuvius coming out of your anus while the band is still playing. And you're going like, okay, man, you know, and then you realize that like it's really bad and like, you know, and you gotta fucking get through this again. You get up there and everybody applauds and and you get through it, you got that weird sweat, you know what I mean? It's like you're going, every song is like 30 minutes long, and you're like, God, how am I going to get out of this, you know? Oh, man. And, uh, you know, so that's a bad one. Embarrassing things on stage, just forgetting shit and just being an idiot, but... Hey, we all do that. Okay, is there anyone that you've played with or met backstage that you've been completely starstruck by? Well, you know, same people by you. Um over the years, when I first met them, it's people like Jeff Beck and obviously Paul, George, and Ringo, you know? Yeah. When I first met George, that was a trip. I was at the a nightclub, believe it or not, right right after Jeff died. Mm-hmm. And we were going to do a gig at the amphitheater as, mm-hmm. a, as a tribute to him. And, you know, George came and played with us. I met him that night, and we hit it off. I just want to say thank you for my entire career. And he says, sit down for a second. I started making him laugh, and the next thing I knew, we were really good friends until he got stabbed. Yeah. And then he lost touch with everybody. Yeah. And then I would get a message through Keltner, somebody saying George said hi. He would call me. I wish I had kept some of the great outgoing, hey, it's your new good buddy, George. Fancy a meal. You know, I remember driving him, me and Keltner, I was working on my second solo record back in 93. And he, he, he goes, oh, come on, let's go have dinner. Keltner's coming. And Jim knew I was working. Well, let's stop by the studio and dig what you're doing. We were working on it. Mm-hmm. So I drove him into Capitol right after the Blue and the Red album, mm-hmm. Best of Beatles or whatever they call mm-hmm. it, yeah. Volume 1 and 2, the Blue yeah. one. And the, well, they had the mega life-size, like as high as Capitol building, the size four Beatles backstage. And I drive into the lot, and he goes, bloody hell. And he's like, it's massive. It's and the I walk 50 into, foot Beatles. And I walk into Capitol, you know, the security with George Harrison and, and they're looking at me and looking at him. I go, I bet you don't need to see his ID, do you? Uh, 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 and they just let us in and they hung out for a while. But we hung out a bunch. I heard Free as a Bird before everybody. He took me up to his place. He was staying at the Bel Air Hotel right? with, with Olivia, who's awesome. And um, he played that for me. And you know, he came and jammed with us and he just became a great pal. And then he and I never got to say goodbye. Oh, that's so sad. Well, so tell me a, a last question. Yeah. What are you listening to right now that you're excited about? My son's record. Yeah. I'm not just saying this because he's my kid. He's in a band, uh, Mike Picard, someplace bass, the drummer uh-huh. from One Direction. He's a killer drummer. And they found this singer that's just insane, Josh. And they just made a record that's just ridiculous. And really? It may save rock and roll. For, it's, it's like, if you can imagine a young Def Leppard is that right? With the song quality of hooks. And my son plays guitar, not a wheelie guy yeah. at all. He yeah. was never that. I said, I'll get a bolt cutter if I see it with that fucking yeah. <laughs> I go, that's so over. They go, be a songwriter, be, find parts, have a great feel. Right. And he went for that. And he, yeah. and, and he wrote some great shit. And now he's sitting there waiting for it to come out going like, oh my God. What's the band name? Uh, ZFG, Zero Fucks Given. Uh, I like it. Z- yeah. and, ZFG. Uh, you know, it's, and it's a big deal. It's coming out, man. I'm really proud of them. It's, it's not just good. for. It's like, holy fuck, this is great. Fuck you. This is too good. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's cracking up. But he's been his 20-year 20, 20 overnight success. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been working really hard. I, I wish I could tell you I helped him. 
Mm. I helped him with a few things, introducing the right people, but everything he did, he did on his own, you know? Amazing. Yeah, he's a good kid. He's a great kid. He, yeah. he skipped over all the awful shit that I did. Is he, right? he actually listened to me. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much, you, man, Ryan, for, for sitting down with me. This is a blast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and thank you to Steve for having us over to his beautiful home and spending so much time sharing his incredible stories. Be sure to watch for Steve's new music on his website, stevelukather.com. On Tour is a production of iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media. This show is produced by Mandy Wimmer with executive producer Noel Brown, and I'm your host, Brian Ray. For more information about On Tour, visit our website, blackbarrelmedia.com. For behind-the-scenes photos from these interviews and interact with us, visit our social media at OnTourPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more shows from iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.